I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. All right, joining me today is Jesse Armijo. He is uh, one of the founders and kind of the brains behind the Duke's Track Club. Uh, He was on earlier talking about that in uh, episode nine. So if you want to go back and that'll be in the show notes, but he's done about 14 marathons, has a 217 PR, qualified for the 2012 uh, Olympic trials in the marathon, and recently completed his first hundred miler. So uh, welcome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So like I said, we kind of talked before a little bit about how you got into running. And, you know, I want to talk about that transition from running in college and continuing to to run kind of at that sub elite and, and moving into the marathon. Like how did you what made you decide that that was going to be a distance you were going to go after? Um, it it wasn't probably like right after because I, I still thought that the marathon was kind of ridiculous <laughs> after college. I still was holding on to the hope of being like a 5k guy and it uh like my my speed itself probably wasn't proving that I could continue to be like a sub elite or just competitive at the 5k. So I, I started transitioning to like the longer stuff or just dabbling with with a bunch of different uh, race distances and looking at like the USA circuit um, and just trying to like figure out goals that I wanted just aside from time goals. And so back then, even now, I guess, aside from the pandemic, there was a lot of USA TF. Um, road championships from you know 5k up to the marathon so like in obscure distances at the time like 8k 12k um, cross country so I kind of dabbled with random distances just to kind of figure out what I was going to be good at or or telling myself that racing random distances or just further distances would help me in the 5k and so yeah I think it's just a natural progression too to like move up in distance towards the half marathon marathon so yeah, just looked at cross country races and just kind of plotted out my training season. And as I progressed in training, which I could probably talk about forever about, um, that led to like better performances, uh, in various distances and kept me wondering if I should just keep moving up in distance, um, to the marathon. And then of course the, the Olympic trials is always that wonderful, like dangling carrot. And so I knew, not gonna, it wasn't going to happen on the track, so I wasn't going to do it in the 5K. And so many participants are allowed in the marathon at the marathon trials. So I, I figured that would be like a smart thing to do a couple of years down the road. So it was definitely a long-term approach, just like the marathon itself. But <laughs> when I graduated, yeah, in, in 05, I think uh, I wanted to stay in the shorter distances for like the first couple of years out of college. it's funny when you talk about it you mentioned that you know the marathon just sounded so ridiculous and here we are talking you know just a couple of weeks after your first hundred miler like (laughs) yeah Yeah, that that is ridiculous too (laughs) I don't don't know what yeah uh you know so just going back you know to being able to qualify for that olympic marathon trials like you ran a 217, low 217. I mean, 
I can't imagine that kind of redlining for that. I mean, the, the 5K is fast. You're, you're, you're pushing yourself, obviously, for the entire time. But the marathon, you're, you're pushing yourself, but at a slightly different level. You're, you're very comfortably uncomfortable for 26 miles. And, you know, ha- walk us through that a little bit. Like, how does that, how do you plan for that, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's funny you mentioned that too, because like thinking back to some like a season or two or years before that marathon, like running on the track, I remember just trying to crank out, you know, something fast and it wasn't, it was like mid, mid 14s. And I'm like, oh, this sucks. Like, this is too fast. Like, and it's not like, but to, <laughs> me, but to me at that moment, I felt like this is too fast. This, this is, this sucks. I need a, I can't wait to do marathon training. Like it's going to be much slower, more like controlled, more cruising speed. So th- this race itself just is horrible. I can't wait to move up. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, I think it's just, it all comes down to like the practicing uh, of it, like years and years of just getting uh, like muscle memory down and getting comfortable with 515 or 520 pace or whatever the goal is, six minute pace or what, whatever anyone is trying. So for me, of course, the trial standard was, I think it was two, two nineteen at the time. So yeah, just trying to practice at five eighteen for as much as possible. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's quick. I mean, for that long, that's just that's quick. <laughs> yeah, it's even yeah now if, if I run at one five fifteen or five eighteen, I'm proud. <laughs> but yeah. it's escaped me. My age. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, you're definitely going to lose, um, yeah, some of that uh, that ability as you go, as you gain, get older and everything. It, it, it amazes me so much how, uh, I've talked about this so much on here, but it just, because it is, it's so amazing to me, Coach Mombotic and, and how he was able to stay so oh, man. Yeah. fit for so long. I mean, I think he ran like a two- yeah, he ran like a two twenty four when he was fifty. I mean, it just it's yeah, fifty. He ran that two two sixteen when he was like in his forties. Yeah, he's incredible. Absolutely. Uh, so when did you start kind of thinking? Because I know, I believe if I if I looked it up correctly, you did um, CIM in two thousand nineteen. So just about. Um, a year and a not even a year and a half ago, and that would have that was your last marathon, you know, yeah. recently. Yep. And so, obviously, then kind of pandemic hit and everything, so a lot of races were shut down. But you know, how long have you had this idea of doing or moving up into ultras? How long has that kind of been brewing? That happened. So that happened in like 2012, and I could probably pinpoint it to when to that summer at. Um, Hard Rock 100, one of the toughest like 100 milers. But um, at the time, even leading up to 2012, uh, we were just living in the house with just a bunch of runners, and they varied from ultra runner guys to you know track guys or marathon guys like myself. And so, one of my buddies, Lauren Wallets um, from Los Alamos High School, he ran at UNM. He just fell in love with training for ultras and he, he loves running up in the mountains. And so he was my roommate and we just, I was just intrigued with his experience of running. And so we'd always chat about it and joke about training and how they, they train differently, of course, and how it's 
it's mental grit as well as just hiking around and eating as well. So the whole gambit of the human experience in one race. But um, he was going to do Hard Rock in 2012 after after the Olympic trials or after when I did the Olympic trials. And so I figured um, it'd be fun to kind of go out there and pace him or just check out the race. And so he invited me to go pace um, and Arlene course the time came came along we had a whole crew and so I got to pace in the last nine miles and just kind of fully experience like what happens at a hundred miler especially like hard rock being one of like the ultimate uh endurance races and challenges that most trail people prefer to do or would love to do I guess because it's, yeah. it's like it's, it's like up there I guess with like the Boston's and the New York it's like an, it's a big grand slam one so um yeah, getting getting to f- see it firsthand, like how he trained for it and how he like prepared the whole race, like all from every nuance from, you know, shoes to food to nutrition to the weather to climbing to everything. And so um, I got to pace him the last nine miles. I saw him at like 91 or 90, whatever it is, because it's not really 100 miles. I think it's more. So. <laughs> So maybe it was like mile 93 at that last aid station. And um, yeah, just seeing, and even throughout the race, like watching him kind of just settle into like a a groove, like a mental groove and pace. And then seeing him at his lows, like in the middle of the night and seeing him come out of that through like with other pacers and other like friends that were helping him out. And, uh, And then finally, once he came into the last bit where I got to pace him in, just seen him in that moment and like the struggle, but yet how he's like basically overcoming it all just to get that last segment done. Um, it was really intriguing. So I thought this was really cool. Um, so we, we like chatted a lot in that last, last segment, he finished, he had, it was his first hundred, uh, first hard rock hundred and it was awesome to share. And, uh, I thought this was really neat. And so we, we were chatting more about it and he's like, yeah, you should just do like, I don't know, just like a 50 K or something. And, there at the at the race like ending i guess or like the the ceremony they had um they had like a table out with like all these other races like 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 an expo like a um end of the race expo type of thing and so mount taylor 50k here in new mexico um by it was put on by ken gordon it still is i think and yeah his info was like there and i'm like oh this is perfect it's a 50k it's in new mexico it's in september um, it's the first one ever. I think this would be like a cool intro to like, um, trail running and ultra running. It's not much further than a marathon and it's going to be, it's way different training. So I think it'd be kind of, kind of fun. So that, um, that kind of like sparked it. So I signed up and did it. It was fun. It was tough. And, um, I didn't know when I was going to do a hundred miler after that. I knew that it would take a lot of like training and mental, like, it would take away from marathon training, of course, I, and I still had aspirations of running quick on the roads as well as like maybe the track or even continue to do cross country. So um, I just figured I'll just keep this in the back of my pocket and someday, I don't know when, I'll, I'll figure out when I when's right to do a 100 miler. And so I think last year was kind of when I started planning, like might as well just do one pretty soon before I'm 40. <laughs> Well, and that's funny. I, I was looking looking up on uh, the, was it Ultra Sign Up, and uh, you know, I think they still have you as like a top ten um, 
performance for that Mount Taylor 50K, which uh, I thought was, I, I hadn't realized you had done anything, you know, that far at that point. Yeah, and I think I think it'd be fun to go back and try to train properly for the for that race again, because I, I think I was more in in 2012. I was still doing marathon training that summer, and was kind of going to just jump into this 50k, and um, the training didn't quite translate as well as you would. I mean, as well as anyone would expect, but it did. Um, I think I was pretty fit, and so I finished pretty well. Because every, I think I've done Mount Taylor twice or three times, and so every race or every time I went back to a fifty, it's been slower because I kind of thought I was training for a fifty k, whereas I probably could train like a marathoner with more, uh, like more specificity to a trail, and then perform a little bit better if that makes any sense. <laughs> no, no, it 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 does um, completely to me because I was wondering that same thing, you know with having such a great performance going off of the off the marathon your probably biggest thing was again um if you're doing mostly marathon training was not necessarily having that that same elevation gain and your legs being ready for uh, that much um uphill really yeah so yeah because i think i was training for um new york city marathon in 2012 which got canceled by the hurricane um <laughs> But like, yeah, still doing road stuff and like maybe hitting the trails like once a week as I would normally do. But um, yeah, I think I still had some pop in my legs to kind of get me through some rolling parts of Mount Taylor and then just hiked up the big old hill. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, definitely if there was any year to kind of take on, you know, training for a hundred miler, 2020 is the one that makes the most sense with without a whole lot else going on race wise yeah it does and especially like the race itself being everyone being so isolated it was perfect <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh you know i i noticed over the summer you had you were doing like an elevation challenge yeah sean abeta and i were doing like uh the limitless challenge through our, like with our vipa um racing and so, yeah, we're just climbing, trying to get, I think, 15,000 feet of climbing in a week, which to most trail people is not much. Like they could probably do that in like two days <laughs> or one day if they wanted to. But um, it was a fun challenge for, for us like here in Albuquerque. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was very interesting. And I, I just kept on seeing you guys posting on, on Instagram and I was just like, oh, they're hitting the trails every day. They are. <laughs> yeah. And realized what it was i was just like wow (laughs) yeah i think um if that challenge comes back again because they have like an everest challenge where you could do i don't know what is everest thirty five thousand feet something like that yeah i saw that one yeah the the, sean's like we should do that next year i'm like all right whatever let's do it (laughs) like we can't just do the same thing (laughs) yeah that's that's true i guess uh you know did you consider like at that point did you already kind of have in your mind you were going to do a hundred miler and this was going to be like good conditioning for the legs or was it just we're going to just going to have fun with this yeah i think we're just going to have fun with it um the, like the beginning of last year so like a year ago this, this time i wanted to do a hundred miler in 2020 and i was thinking maybe do um javelina 100 
Uh, that seemed like the most realistic. Like it's runnable. Everyone keeps saying, even though it's really hot. So you got to prepare for both. So um, that one was like on my radar. And then once the pandemic started and restrictions were happening, um, I just it wasn't going to be a reality. But I was like searching frantically for like something to do and train for. So I think cold water just made more sense. And once September rolled around, uh, started transitioning to like more longer stuff for the 100 miler. And how did that work? I mean, for those that don't know, you're a PE teacher. You work at uh, Manal School. Um, Manzano Day School, yeah. Manzano Day School. Sorry. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> you're at Manzano Day School and, you know, trying to get in, you know, the miles it takes to kind of train for a hundred miler. Like, how did you manage that? Um, Pretty, I would say pretty, not easily, but it seemed to work well. Um, I think marathon training is still pretty dang hard. <laughs> like managing the recovery after those hard workouts was, was very difficult. And this being my first hundred miler, I didn't really do many workouts. I just did more endurance or more long runs. And so I just kind of did most of my stuff on the weekend and then just try to manage my mileage throughout the week. So um, like a big 30 miler or or my long runs would build up to like 30 and then I would just kind of overload the weekend and just recover all week. So that, that seemed pretty manageable while working. Um, and our school, we, we went hybrid. And so we, I got to be with the kiddos for a good segment. And so I usually do a lot of like the little workouts with the kids, like core stuff, like push-ups or little drills here and there. So I think that helped with like mobility or just keeping, keeping my body just moving and lubricated <laughs> uh, definitely helped with the kids. Um, so yeah, I think it, I think it complements each other pretty well, like the lifestyle and yeah. And everything. Well, that makes sense. I guess I didn't think about it in, in that respect of, you know, for your first hundred, you're you're probably just kind of training to to be able to do it. And with the marathons, you have those those long, hard, you know, mile repeats or tempo runs in the middle of a long run, and that is going to take a lot out of your legs in in different ways, obviously. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I look back at the marathon training and get like PTSD. <laughs> like I don't ever want to try that again. <laughs> then now it's like, oh god, a thirty miler. In the foothills is also daunting. <laughs> so yeah, I guess you just have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think uh, it was for your birthday, and you did like yeah, <laughs> what was it? Thirty-eight. I think you yeah. turned thirty-eight. So you did thirty-eight miles laps at um, the North Golf Course, right? Yeah. Yep. Nineteen laps around the darn golf course <laughs> i like it i mean it was funny because a buddy of mine on the team like shows up he's like oh this is crazy but then it makes sense this is very like like it's very uh symbolic to your life people come in go and you're still out here on the on the on the, the golf course just doing the loops so <laughs> like it's like the team itself the duke itself it's like some people are, are transplants and they move here and they'll be on the team and enjoy it and then they have like work takes them away so they move on, but they'll always have like those memories or those miles under them. So I thought it was cool. And plus it was just easy just to do 
you know, 19 loops rather than, and to share it with like friends that wanted to jump in and, and run it safely, like with right. COVID, rather than just doing like a big out and back or something where you'd have to guesstimate like where you would be, when you would be, it just seemed too, uh, too much of an ordeal. <laughs> <laughs> that makes yeah. sense. And I mean, I think, you know, the, the bosque has its charms and, you know, the foothills and, and tramway and all these places that people talk about in their runs, but there's something about that North golf course that is just, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's a great place. It is. And I mean, there's so much variation with the little hills here and there, and you could turn that, you could uh, go the other direction. I mean, (laughs) right. They get a completely different experience, but some people, I, I get it. It's kind of boring, but it's it's fun. I I, it's not a place I like to go to often. I, I like to keep it like ah, all right, I'll hit up the golf course. But I'm never like I'm never sad when I when I go there. It's just always like oh, it's that same thing. But then I'm like yeah, but it's you know they're just like I said, there's just something about it. <laughs> yeah, definitely something about it. Maybe it's all the amazing runners been there <laughs> i i that's that's definitely got to be part of it the history of it for sure yeah for and sure. and so you know like you said you're you're gearing up and and getting ready kind of sept- since september building up to these 30 mile runs uh how did you practice i guess the nutrition that that's the part that always kind of gets me like how do you practice i guess eating while you're (laughs) on the run or you know being able to settle your stomach for that because i i imagine for the marathon you were you were mostly taking you know water gels um you know obviously quick sipping things to to keep that movement that pace that speed yeah that um yeah it was challenging because i didn't really know what to work with and and i don't have to outsource to like friends and ask them what to do and a lot of friends said to like test it out different things um like avocado works well peanut butter and jelly, like simple basic stuff works really well so i just tried to you know experiment and see what worked um my stomach seems to be pretty pretty like or does well i guess with eating whatever but it's actually just eating or just shoving it into my mouth and 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 swallowing is the hard part (laughs) like once you're like 20 miles in or something you're like what why would i want to eat yeah um yeah it took a while and i think it it definitely was more of a learning experience in the actual race itself rather than just in training but maybe the the training definitely helped a little bit um yeah i try to do candy and snickers or something but it just gets hard after a while to like want to eat something of sustenance. So I never really like got to that point where I had to like take in something like really solid um, besides like a peanut butter and jelly. Right. (laughs) That probably like came into play like in the race itself. Once I started getting like, once I started falling apart, um, and getting into like a really dark place. I think it's probably because of the nutrition or not being able to, to eat solids leading up to that point. Um, so I think it, it does take a lot of practice and that's something I'm gonna have to get used to. And a lot of people have told me how hundred milers are 
more of an eating contest than anything else. And so <laughs> I, I always think I, I can eat a lot of junk and or just food in general or anything, but it's just mastering that while continuing to move at a, at a decent click. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I mean, that's, that's the part to me that just seems the most uh, difficult because of that. Um, so good luck to you on that one for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna, it'll take some time. <laughs> uh, you know, did you, what did you learn, I guess, from marathon running if anything, that kind of helped in this transition to, to kind of in a longer ultra. Oh, that is like a completely different sport for sure. Um, there's there's only like a handful of guys that I know that ran quick in the marathon and that transitioned very well to like ultra running. Um, and so everyone else that sees those numbers and sees the the direct correlation that thinks that they can do it themselves. And I don't think I was ever in that boat. I knew that running a hundred miles or running a 50 miler would be very challenging no matter how much speed I had. Um, and that was like, what kind of drew me to it is the challenge, but I, I never took it for granted that I could just jump onto the trails and just become a, a, a really good ultra runner. Um, so I looked at it as a completely different sport and how I had to like kind of get, used to how these athletes train for the trails. So I think that maybe the nutrition part, like in the, in the marathon, in a road marathon, yes, you have to like take in nutrition, but it, it's a completely different game in the ultra. Um, running, like knowing your terrain in a marathon, like if you're running New York City versus Chicago, you definitely need to, you know, run, be well at running downhills as well as uphills. So like just knowing the course, um would translate well for ultras so i think basically anything that you know about marathoning you just have to like extrapolate it <laughs> for, the, for the ultra marathon distance and uh that's going to be a fun challenge because i definitely don't think i have any good clue on what to do <laughs> with ultra marathons <laughs> well i want to go back to that point you know about you know very few people being able to run fast in a marathon and then do it in an ultra like obviously um jim wansley just did that 100k record attempt and well got the u.s record but i mean there's very very few people that can do something like that be in the olympic trials and being talked about as like this guy might sneak in to you know a year later running 100k at sub six minute pace is insane (laughs) yeah oh yeah 100% 100% agreed. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's great to see some like road guys do well in the ultra stuff and trail stuff. Um, so it's nice to know that that engine is there. They're they're more than capable of doing it, but it is another sport, and they got to like transition to that some way. And there's been success, and it's great to see that. I think um, it's just fun to to be challenged and and find a new challenge. So cool to see yeah you know going to the beginning of the of this race how you know that night before race you know i think everybody handles it a little bit different and i think those those first ones like i'm sure your first marathon was a little intimidating you know the first hundred had to have been like 
how was that night before? Were you able to to sleep and be ready for you for it? Were you nervous? What was your thinking going into it? Um, I pretty um, I think my mind and my body like get more anxiety on the short of the distance, <laughs> just because <laughs> like so much has to go right for like a high intensity uh, race, like a mile or or a five k. So I think even though this is a, like the first time doing a hundred miler, I, I actually had a decent amount of sleep. Um, I wasn't like overly nervous or freaked out or anything as I probably, sh- I probably should have been because <laughs> it was like, I was going in way over my head for sure. <laughs> but uh, I was pretty calm. Like it was around friends. Um, uh, Chef Mark like cooked for us that night and we just talked about, you know, everything from running to, you know, cooking, the cooking world and, it was um it was a nice relaxing kind of evening and went to bed without like really worrying too much or freaking out too much like I would with a marathon or or a big like road championship. Um, and also like I think the mentality going into this was to kind of survive rather than to compete compete. So there was like no expectation for me to, on myself rather than just to like survive and get through and tr- and just try to finish in one piece. Whereas like most of the time when I do travel to a race or in the past, um, like during my competitive years, I think I wanted to be competitive. And so I had a lot more pressure and because of that would result in like a very anxious night of sleep or anxious night of rest. And so, yeah, that, that like anxiety wasn't quite there just cause I, I guess I just, I don't know, didn't know what to expect. <laughs> Uh, and you know you mentioned um sean and mark being there uh sean abeta mark quinones um who else was a part of your team to to help you get you through this part of your crew yeah my uh, my wife arlene and then andrea mcardle and her boyfriend zach um who's also a really good uh ultra guy ultra runner so yeah that was the whole crew and uh I was very fortunate to have like all that experience from from Andrea and, and Zach um, and have the support of like of Mark and Sean and having Arlene there is is definitely a big bonus. I always do well when, when she's around. So it was good to have that perfect crew. And Mark's son, he was there too. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I saw <laughs> I saw Mark posting pictures of him. <laughs> so it's always fun to have a big mixed group. So it's not too serious, just be grateful and and uh, just, just kind of celebrate like a celebration run kind of you know as much as you know you have those people around obviously like like you talked about having that wealth of experience like it, it can only go so far like them telling you what to expect and and what you might feel like or or getting you prepared for certain things like how much did having some of that idea help and how much of it was like, you know, you just, you just had to learn, you know, every step of that, of that hundred miles. Oh yeah. It was definitely helpful. Like over the years and even leading up to this race and even the night before. So, um, it's yeah, very, very helpful for sure to like get some insight on everyone and just have an, have a little idea of what to expect or even see it like in like when you either crew or or pace in some of these ultras um just having a little perspective is is pretty neat um so that that was very helpful for sure 
I mean, and but then of course until you experience, you don't know it, and so that's kind of was like the the interesting part was just to go and just experience it, but using everyone's knowledge, of course, with it. And why why did you decide to jump up to a hundred instead of trying like a fifty first? No, maybe it's the the belt buckle or. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh that's a good question i (laughs) yeah i don't know um i don't know (laughs) yeah i I mean i I guess i could have i felt like maybe like doing a 50 or 100k would would be just as intense um and just as hard if i trained specifically for that and try to be competitive at it but i think i think i just wanted to finish a hundred miler and then reevaluate like what that was like and then what I can learn from it and maybe either either try to do a different one or try to like you know bring down the time and be more competitive with myself with it or or just or now can now I can try the other distances um like a 50 miler or something so I don't know a hundred miles seems pretty like might as well just just do it I guess (laughs) might as well Yeah. You know, we talked a little bit about get, kind of getting that practice of of eating and everything. Um, and as you were going through the race, you, you talked a little bit about that not being able to to really, you know, take down that solid food. food. Um, you know, as it got further into the race, you know, what were you relying on? What was, I guess, kind of your go to like, I'm, I need to eat this or... <laughs> Yeah, no, that definitely happened. Yeah, after sixty, it was like all about, and plus it was like thirteen hours of night, um, so it wasn't like super cold in Arizona, but it was still like maybe in the forties or so. Yeah, um, but being being dark and being kind of cold, um, I was definitely wanting like ramen or like any type of broth um, at each aid station from sixty miles to the finish. So that was like my like yearning desire that i needed to like get down into my system was was like ramen and broth for sure and that 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 makes sense (laughs) yeah i mean i tried like solid foods throughout the day and it was like hit or miss and then taking in gels like a gel every 30 minutes became the worst thing of my life after 20 of them or so and (laughs) So it's like, well, I need to transition to something else. And I probably should trans. I should just mix it up. Like that's, that's what I should have done. <laughs> but I'll, I'll learn from that. Yeah. That- like, even Zach was telling me, uh, Andrew's boyfriend, Zach was like, yeah, my first one, I think I did like 60 gels and you, you just got to like, you got to mix it up a little bit. <laughs> like give me a pop card or give me something. And I was like, oh, okay, 60, that's horrible. I'm not, I'm not, I'm never going to eat that many gels. Like I barely, I didn't take any gels during my training runs. And so when I was like scarfing them down, cause it was the easiest thing to do. Like it was a recipe for disaster. Oh, I can but imagine. It's still calories, I guess. So it's still like, it was manageable, like, I guess. So <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> it's a lot to learn. And what were the aid stations like? Um, and I guess I didn't even ask. Like, uh, this was a looped course, right? Yeah, it was a big loop, uh, a twenty-mile loop. But well, there, it's almost shaped like an eight or like a disfigured eight. Whereas the start and finish would have an aid station, 
um, the first like junction or the first aid station was like four or five miles in. And then there was another one, eight miles or so from that one. And then you'd come back to that same aid station on a different part of a loop and then uh, finish up at the start finish. So there was two aid stations on the course, but you would see one twice and then you'd be back at the start finish for the fourth aid station. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And so how did those, uh, those work? I've always been curious, you know, that with, you know, COVID regulations and all that, what those are looking like, um, you know, now. Yeah, they, um, our VIPA has like their whole COVID protocol for all their races. And so you have to have a mask on at the aid station. All the volunteers wear masks. Everything is like prepackaged. Um, you, what is it? Usually like crew members or you can fill up your own bottles yourself with like Gatorade or whatever electrolyte drink they have or water. Um, but they now with COVID, they have to fill it for you. Um, what else? Like, yeah, all the food single packaged and uh, what else am I missing? I think that's about it. Okay. Yeah. And then obviously whatever you had when you were at the main. Um, yeah. The main I, yeah. Or you can grab stuff from, from their station, of course. Yeah. But like, yeah, everything we bought, like I thought I was going to eat, like we didn't really eat it. Like <laughs> I, I just took everything from the aid stations. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And like Coke and, and ginger ale, any like any soda pop, um, they would pour it for you as well. And so you had to have like your own um, reusable cup. Okay. So yeah, they, weren't, seen that. Never, they didn't have any like um, like throwaway cups or Dixie cups for you to take. I think I've seen that recently. Um, and some places were already doing that to, to try to limit on, on waste where you had to have your own collapsible cup, you know, in and out. Yeah. Yeah. Prior. So that makes sense. Um, how much of this did you end up running on your own? Like, like I said, I know you had some of these, uh, some of your crew kind of running with you, but how much time were you kind of out there just by yourself? Um, so this race, you could get a pacer at mile 60. So you could get a pacer from the last two loops, basically. Okay. So 60, 60 on my own. Wow. You know, obviously you talked about being able to see your friend go through the ups and downs, you know, in a hundred and, you know, Arlene, Andrea, I think uh, Sean had posted some things as well. So those of us following on Instagram, were able to kind of see <laughs> your reactions here and there. Um, you know, I guess how, how bad did some of the downs feel? Oh, giving up. <laughs> Yeah, I think oh, so. The story is at 45 is when I wanted to quit, um, and yeah, after that aid station, like basically left there, and from 45 at 45 miles, I was pretty much over it. I was thinking this is the dumbest thing ever, and um, that and that leg or that segment from that aid station to like the one at the end, which is called Peterson. Um, it's pretty runnable and like there's like a, a wash where it's like really sandy and it's all exposed. And so, um, at, 
45, it was definitely getting hot. And yeah, and I ran out of liquid because I drank it all like from the previous aid station to Peterson. And uh, yeah, so that, that's that part right there. Like everything just compounded on like no water or no, like being dehydrated, I guess, or just over it completely. So that was a low point. And I just figured, you know what? Um, I'll just finish this loop at 60 and be done with it. This is This is the dumbest thing ever. And I don't need to be here. This is not for me. I need to go back to 5Ks. Like, this is stupid. <laughs> and so, um, but that was just like, I guess, self-pity and just not liking it. Um, and then once I made it back at 60, um, my IT band was hurting. And so I was trying to use that as like a way to drop out. And I just did not want to be there at all. It was already dark. Yeah, I'm just trying to like, I'm trying to like dig the hole myself and find an excuse to just quit with through physical pain. And then that kind of manifested to like, like emotional pain of why are you like, you shouldn't be, this is just not healthy in any capacity. And so um, everyone just kind of urged me on. Zach as a PT was kind of like looking at my IT band was like, "Um, let's just take it like one, one aid station at a time, like just see how it goes. And Arlene was going to take me from 60 to 80. So this was at 60 at the start finish. And so I was already um, like hating life. And and I, I was kind of looking forward to having a, a loop, like a 20 mile loop with Arlene, just like as an experience. And I was already getting on myself that I couldn't physically do it. And so this is like, I already, I can't even do, I can't even like, look forward to this experience because I just broke myself or hurt my IT band. So again, just keep digging a hole right there. But we we finally got out of that aid station. We like walked to the next one pretty much. So it took like, I don't know, two hours or hour and a half to go four miles or five miles. And um, at that point, I, I just kept telling myself that I needed to quit. And this was the dumbest thing ever. And I broke my leg or my IT band is destroyed. And um, yeah, I was ready to, to drop out. And so Arlene being um, being my pacer, like she wasn't going to be like a drill sergeant and say, we got to keep moving, just keep going, keep going. She was very like aware of what kind of emotional state I was in and was like, well, let's just like maybe figure out what you need to do to quit um, or to drop. And so... I went to go like talk to uh, the aid station or the aid crew, whoever was there, and uh, like asking them if I if I needed to drop out or how how I could go about and dropping. And the woman was like, "Oh, you you want to drop out?" And so she like called over this guy named Keith. She's like, "Hey, Keith, come here. This guy's thinking of dropping out." And so this gentleman comes over. Basically, he looks like a triathlete, but he's like all decked out and like sweats and like bundled up because it's cold, of course. Right. <laughs> He's like chiseled face, like an older guy, but like shaved head, but you can't really tell. I mean, I could tell, but he had a hat on, but like he just had that that look to him in some way. <laughs> um, and he comes over all calmly and just asks me like where, where I'm from. And so I was like Albuquerque. And he's asking me questions like, have I done a hundred miler before? Or if, have I even done a 50K or a 50 miler or a hundred K? And I was like, no. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he asked me what was wrong. And I just told him, like, I think I need to drop. My IT band's hurting. And um, he just, he's like, okay, well, yeah, you could do that. Of course you could do that. Um, 
you're at 65 miles, that's that's pretty respectable, but you could kind of like suck it up and just move on to the next aid station and just keep moving from there. And like really methodical about how he was like explaining it, but also like encouraging. And he's like, you came all the way out here to do this, not to quit. So I think you can, you should just manage that leg and just keep moving. Maybe get some ibuprofen, but aid stations, of course, they can't provide any medicine. Right. But he's like, if you have ibuprofen, maybe take some ibuprofen, like manage this this IT band. I mean, it's not your leg's not popping out, so I think you, you can keep moving. <laughs> and uh, he's he was just like feeding all this. Not only did I need to hear this, but um, yeah, I definitely needed to hear this. <laughs> and uh, he's like, yeah, you could you you can do this, man. You can just you can take an, an hour break or an hour nap if you needed to, and and you could still be, beat the. I don't know, 32 hour cutoff is, was the, the cutoff for this race. So he's, he was doing the math for me and I was like, oh, okay, whatever. You're right. I, I, I can do this. <laughs> At that point, Arlene's like all buckling up. She's like getting ready to go. She has her pack ready. She like grabbed some extra stuff for me. And this guy's like, man, if this was easy, anyone could do it. He's like telling me all these like cliche quotes. And I'm just like, just, just like eating it up. I'm like, yes, tell me everything. I can do this. I can do this. And so I think prior to that point was when, yeah, when I had my low was, was just my own, my own mental barrier or my own mental wall just wanted me to stop. Um, but luckily there was like certain people there, of course, to encourage you on and remind you of what, one, you signed up for it yeah. <laughs> and two, like this was what you kind of wanted or what kind of experience you wanted. So don't just quit basically. That is, I mean, pretty amazing. Like, I, I, from the people yeah. I've interviewed, you know, those hundreds just sound. I mean, they're they're a lot. It's a toll on the body, body, mentally and physically. And to have someone there to just—that's not someone you know, because it's easy to dismiss the people you know. At, at least I found that because it's like you—you you think I can do this? You think I did? This guy doesn't know me. <laughs> Yeah, like, that's 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 pretty awesome that he you know he spent that time kind of walking you through this and talking you through it and 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 getting you to a point where you're like I I I can do this I I did sign up for this that's that's awesome yeah I um he's definitely part of that journey and that story and I've told it to like every single person that's asked me about this race and I I think um. Right, yeah, right when I was like ready to go and take off, he he was like, "Yeah, man, you'll you'll finish this race and you'll thank us. You'll you'll write us and you'll thank us for doing this because you can you can do it." And I was like, "All right, thanks." I'm like, "What was your name again?" And he's like, "My name's Keith." He's like, "Yeah, look me up. I have a uh, a YouTube video on, on the five Konas, and he's like, he's done three hundred milers as well." And uh, wow. he's like, "Yeah, take care." <laughs> So yeah, I did look him up. I did write him. I did thank him. And uh, yeah, he's he's a badass for sure. And super, very methodical individual and inspiring dude. So after that loop too, like I came back to that aid station, like feeling pretty good. It was already at like mile 75. Um, and uh, Arlene and I stopped at that aid station again and like refueled. And then I asked him like, hey, is Keith here? And they're like, oh no, he, he's he's already gone. He left for the shift. I was like, oh man, I'm like, well, I just wanted to thank him. Like I wasn't doing well and he kind of convinced me to keep going. I'm like, oh yeah, he does that. He's like the trail whisperer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was very happy to hear that too. 
and and to and to verify that he wasn't just like a figment of my imagination. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I did see a blog about yours like prior to to doing this, and and you talked about other ultra marathoners that you had talked about having hallucinations and and kind of going through these uh, um, visions, I guess. <laughs> well, on this, so I I can imagine why that you know want to make sure he's real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Arlene was very disappointed I didn't hallucinate at any point. So <laughs> I, I might have to be in the next 100-miler or something. <laughs> I I thought you were going to say, you know, when you hit that that wash and it was really hot that you were going to start seeing things and ran out of water. I, I thought that's what you are going to go into there. <laughs> I don't know. I, it would have been a cool story. Like start sucking on like the cactus or something, trying to get <laughs> any moisture possible out of something. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, the wash is like sandy and hot, but I kind of just forged on. Um, yeah, that, that part is not fun. <laughs> so, I mean, besides kind of uh, the ultra guru whisperer, you know, what what else kept you going? Um, Let's see. Just, I don't know. I think just kind of finishing kind of, and then also like, creating like humor like in my own mind that how dumb this is but i'll just finish just keep finishing just just get to the finish no matter how silly or dumb this is like at least it will be over you know it's going to be over in a couple hours or even more than a couple hours like either way you're going to finish you're going to you're going to get there before the cutoff and then you can finally say it's done and also to oh yeah to rewind back before i did drop out um those guys, there's like a crew of guys like around a, a bonfire and um, they were all dropping out. One guy was a volunteer, but he also ran the race the year before and dropped out. And so they were just talking about like, you know, this sucks, but whatever, you know, you'll, you'll recoup and you'll, you can come back or we can all come back and like do this as a revenge race. And like when I heard, heard them talk about do, like do this again, I was just like, no. I, I don't ever want to do this again. Let me just, I'll just finish. Like that turn, like that kind of helped like click the pendulum over to like one side. Like you should just finish and you don't have to ever think about doing this again. Like you should have no regrets. And so just, just get it over with. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny you mentioned that. So you say that, like, I just need to get this done. I don't have to think about this again. I don't ever have to do this again. I'm done with it. But several times during this conversation, you've talked about, well, I've learned this and for the next one. And do you have other ultras on the mind now, you know, two weeks out from this one? Yeah, I think two weeks out is safe to like say that I, I'll do it or I'll do another one for sure if my body's allowing it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the 24 hours after finishing the race, I think I was okay with never thinking about or doing a hundred miler again. <laughs> um, but then once, once a full day gone by, let my mind like forget about how painful it was. Then uh, I'm back at it. <laughs> and, yeah. and I've heard that from so many people, like you, you quit so many times during, after you're never going to do them again, but something, something kind of pulls you back. So, so what about, the ultras whether it's a hundred a 50 miler 100k you know whatever it ends up being what about it is is kind of pulling you 
to it at this point? Um, it might be like the uncertainty of the race. I mean, one being so so much longer than like a marathon or even like a 5K, you almost know how a 5K um, will feel. And so I think with this, with an ultra marathon, like a 50K, 50, I, I mean, I think a 50 miler or a 100K or even another 100 miler, like there's so many unknown variables or unknown experiences that are out there. And so I think that's kind of the draw is like not knowing how you'll be emotionally or not knowing how you feel physically um, or the combination of the two, like how it's, how it lines up. So I think it's like the uncertainty is probably the biggest draw. Um, yeah, maybe the uncertainty and how, how well you can kind of push yourself. And uh, yeah, I think that's, that's it, that uncertainty. That makes sense. I mean, you know it's going to hurt, but <laughs> all yeah. the rest of it. I mean, just. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's interesting too, cause like most people, well, maybe someone who, who's been running for a, for a little while will know like how roughly within a minute, maybe like how fast their 5k will be, or maybe within a couple minutes of how fast their half marathon will be, or maybe even, yeah, even a couple minutes on where they'll be in their marathon. And that's like, it's two and a half hours to like three and a half hours for, for anyone or for like, you know, some of these individuals that I'm thinking of. And so let's say you are like a three hour marathoner um, and you've been training for like, you know, four or five months and three hours is like the barrier and you come within a few minutes of it and you break three, three hours. And it's like, it's pretty impressive that you know mentally that you can achieve your goal and surpass it by just a couple minutes or even a couple seconds. Um, or some people, like, of course, some people fall short, but there's, they only fall short by just a little bit. So they're so attuned to their body that it's, that's like beyond impressive to me. Um, and then whereas like the ultra marathon, um, you have so many variables where you're just like, well, I think I could run, you know, five hours for a 50K we'll see like the trail itself is like so varied and it's, it's pretty impressive to see individuals kind of reach their benchmark and kind of, or even break it or break through that little like goal of theirs. So, and I think uh, with these ultras or this, or a hundred miler in particular, it's, it's pretty interesting to know that you're like so far off, like you have no idea like what could happen, like anything, you could just blow up completely. You could feel great. Like who knows? And you could be off by hours. So I think that's, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I, 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 I in my head, uh, they sound interesting and it's that, that part, I guess that uncertainty that, that you're clinging to, to me is like, Oh man, that is you, you never know. You could, like you said, you could, you could be 65 miles in and, and just be ready to be, to be done with it. And you might not, you know, come back from that. Yeah. Or you might push through and finish it and have that sense of accomplishment. And either way, I think there's, there's going to be that pull just, just to see what you can accomplish. I think that's pretty amazing. 
Yeah, and I, th- I think that's why so many people enjoy, you know, running longer distances, whether it be someone from the 5K moving up to like a marathon or a half marathon or even a 10K. It's just that uncertainty on pushing their bodies uh, for longer, longer distances or longer time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't, know. I don't know. I guess you could get really deep about it, or you could just say that a lot of people just love to do these things for the t-shirt or, <laughs> or like a race buckle or who knows, whatever swag bag is at the finish line. So <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of variables. That That's true. I guess you're right on that one. It, uh, it's hard to extrapolate, you know, on a few people, and, and that's exactly why everybody does it. But <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think. Okay. okay. Uh, I was just gonna say, I think it's amazing that you that you went out, you did it, you finished, you you survived, obviously, and and are ready for more. So I'm definitely uh, excited to see what what comes up next for you. Yeah, should be exciting. We'll see. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll still perish this last one for a little while longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, you can uh, you know get a a nice fun one as as things hopefully start to open up yeah should be fun so sure yeah you know just about you know kind of the ending point you know i did want to just shout out real quick um you guys for with the dukes track club are starting up a a youth program um if you wanted to just kind of uh talk about that or at least where people can find information about that real quick yeah, yeah, it's definitely um, yeah, our youth club is a uh, was a, bit, a big component of our team in general. Like our mission for the whole team way back when uh, when we started was to kind of cultivate post collegiate runners, um, but to still have like a component of um, community and recreational runners as well. And then eventually down the road, this was back in two thousand nine. Eventually down the road to have a youth component. And yeah, it's been like, I don't know, over a decade, but um, I think it's finally finally coming together. And so uh, a couple of coaches or a couple of members of the team and myself, so Phil Keller, Miles Kohler, and Andrea uh, McArdle will all be coaches. And we're going to do the youth team from ages 6 to 17 um, after school program. Uh, it's in the evening, like 5 to 6 for track and field this spring. Um, it's a USATF club, so all the perks of being on a, a USATF uh, member will be involved. And um, let's see. Yeah, it's going to be pretty fun. We're still, I mean, we're trying to get more kiddos registered. We do have a decent amount already. And with COVID, we can only have like, I think it's five or four to one. So luckily we do have four coaches. So we'll be able to have like 20 kids or so um, or 16, I guess. I, I guess I need a double check that but yeah it should be really fun we just want to get some kids moving and just kind of embrace the albuquerque running community and i think we're fortunate too to have the have it start as a uh, open club like as a usatf open club and then of course masters are involved with that as well and then open up the youth component. Whereas I know there's a lot of really great and strong youth clubs out there already. Um, like I think soul is a great youth club 
but starting as a youth club and then moving into an open club would might be challenging i think and so i think we're in a really good position that we have plenty of athletes that are already on our open team and we've already pulled in four coaches to provide the coaching and, and the the knowledge and share it with any youth member in our community that signs up so um yeah looking looking forward to it and looking forward to the little kids just running and enjoying track and learning about all the track events um, we're definitely gonna be more distance oriented <laughs> of our knowledge but um, if we do grow and over the years like sprints and field events would be really fun to have and just just allow kids to know that they can they can do a bunch of other different activities besides just playing a sport with a ball so um yeah just offering more uh more of an outlet for families and, and students and kids awesome i think it's great and uh obviously if, if you are looking for information on that check out uh duke's track club and you can find it so yeah yeah and then um yeah we have a we have a web page um but it's really long i guess it's a sites page but if you just email of course the duke's track club we can get that out there to people and we put flyers up at Heart and Soul. Um, Sports Systems will have flyers. Michael Thomas Coffee will have flyers. Those are our, Michael Thomas Coffee is one of our team sponsors. So um, we like to collaborate with them and always do a shout out to them. And flyers will be there as well. All right. Well, awesome. I I think that's a great pl- place to to wrap up. Definitely want to um, ask you the last question I always ask, and that's just. You know, what are you listening to to kind of get you pumped, get you moving, get you out the door, or just enjoying? Oh, what am I listening to? Um, well, <laughs> anything, I guess, by the Foo Fighters always gets me pumped up. <laughs> <laughs> nice, um, that's a good one. Yeah, Foo um, Fighters Imagine Dragons, so. All right. Well, uh, thanks again. Uh, this was a great conversation. Thanks for, you know, letting us dig into the run you know what it's like to run a hundred and and the down times and getting through it and and everything i really appreciate that is there anything else you'd like to add before i let you go no i just want to say thanks again too thanks for having me on uh your your podcast and thanks for always sharing all of these stories with the community i really appreciate it seb so thank you I'd once again like to thank my guest for their time and thank you for tuning in. If you have the opportunity, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or just help spread the word. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud at DJ Teach. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RunningNM. Feel free to drop me a line or shoot me an email at RunningNewMexico at gmail.com if you have any questions or know of someone who should be interviewed. In the meantime, keep running, New Mexico.